Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, and find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always in the most angst-ridden high school of all time, <laughs> slaying aliens, teachers, students, and alike with my friend and co-host, Alex Dandino. This is... Guys, is the end of the pod and rolls in the School of Hard Knocks. The title is long, but the month was short. Uh, I loved every <laughs> fucking movie we did this month so much. This might be my favorite uh, of our curation so far this year. I fucking love this batch of movies. Um, yeah, this was this good. is our fan-submitted extra pod. Now, we had a lot of really good suggestions. But one popped up a couple times, and it's a show that actually almost made it on the pod early. This being The Faculty. Yeah! Now, this was, this was a front runner when we were doing Aliens Invade the Pod Mark, One of our first... Second, uh, second curation. Yes. But was disqualified because of the body-snatching movies that we had to pick from, this felt less than the thing... Less than the Sutherland body snatchers. Um, we thought that the thing was the obvious choice for us. So the faculty got the short end. What I love about this movie is while, yes, and, and even when you watch it, if you've seen the thing and watched it with us, which we hope you did, um, they lift several scenes directly from the thing. Yeah. And it's not is incredibly nuanced as some of the other body snatcher films. No. But what this movie does is from the very first moments of black, when that offspring kicks in, it just gave me a full on nineties erection that I yeah. could not drop for 90 some minutes. The, yeah. I um, mean, the, and also the, it, it does play really well with, it, it gets into the kind of high school clicks and melodrama and alienation. Um, Almost to a melodramatic effect, as oh, it were. Oh, for sure. I mean, the but, but it plays well with this this premise, right? Yeah. The jinko sized pants tent you have watching this movie is <laughs> pretty impressive. Like, I mean, it's a I kicked perfect, off my Doc Martens and got real comfy with my past. It is a perfect time capsule for like. I mean, this movie. Let's see, this movie is nineteen ninety eight, uh, but it's a perfect time capsule of like dimension films, like at the height of their power awesomeness doing their version of invasion of the body snatchers it's fucking i loved this movie when i saw it when i was in like i think it was a middle school and yeah. i every time i see it i think it's a fucking blast like it continually gets great the creature works hilarious like all of it is awesome well it's such a i mean it's it is funny because it is this insane mix of just 90s right like beyond yeah. the obvious fashions and the music and this and that and the stereotypes, it's funny because when I watch Heathers and things like that this month, you're like, I get it, there were nerds and whatever. When I watch The Faculty, I immediately remember kids that I hung out with and kids that I was. Like, I was a kid who was probably closer to Elijah Woods, but really thought I was a Zeke. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, like, the way Zeke dressed, I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, that's how I used to try to dress and shit. And, I definitely, uh, I definitely have So I latch on, thing. maybe unfairly biased to like this movie. Oh yeah, no, I definitely was. I definitely felt like Zeke, but played more to Casey Connor. That is for sure. Yeah. Oh god. But just, I mean, look at this cast though. Like right off the bat, this cast, and also let's not forget, this is a Robert Rodriguez film, directed he by was Robert Rodriguez. One of the most exciting indie 
directors who kind of went big at the end of the night. I 90s. think this was right after From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, I mean, he made a lot. Of, I mean, I loved all this period of Robert Rodriguez. Um, so for him to kind of make this like weird John Hughes nightmare flick was yeah. very strange, but he brings that high energy and fun to this movie. This was, and, but it was, right. and then it was written by Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream. And yeah. I think this I mean, was the movie it, it right after. It just feels Scream. like that. Ear, I mean, you hit it right on. Dimension Films killed this period. Yeah, this was uh, all of film. us that liked horror movies. There were a lot of the, these awesome gems coming out at this time. The cast, though, is pure awesome nineties. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because like people like Clea Duvall, right? Didn't like not still around today very much that I ever see. She's mainly she is. It's one of those actresses I saw and I immediately was like, oh my god! Like I so identify. I mean. <laughs> The way I identify Molly Ringwald, Ringwald with the 80s, like I saw oh, yeah. her and I was like, 90s! It's how I feel about Josh Hartnett, too. Like, Josh Hartnett, to me, I, I identify Josh Hartnett with, like, 1997 to 2001. That is Josh Hartnett's yeah, and, time. Yeah, and he's back now. He's back now. But, I mean, eh. you see, and there's all these little extras you see, like other high school kids. You're like, oh, my God, they were in other movies, too. Oh, yeah. No, and this thing just, is littered with the 90s. Yeah. But honestly, like where this thing sings is the faculty is loaded. It is a stud cast. Oh, it's so you've incredible. Got Salma Hayek, Famke Jansen, and oh. just like '90s like dream girl status movie. Oh, Famke you have, Jansen, uh, Piper Laurie of Twin Peaks fame. Yep. Who uh, else we got? Robert <laughs> Shooter Patrick McGavin. Christopher Shooter McGavin is uh, Shooter McGavin as. Uh, as Elijah Woods like pissed off like elitist dad, he's got all my favorite yeah. lines in the movie. Like when he fucking like assaults him in the room, oh, I was like, God, that is just fantastic. Yeah, who else do we have? We have Judith from Frasier and Cheers. Yep, obviously B- B- playing the evil, B- evil soul crushing person. BB Newworth, John Stewart, who I constantly forget is in this movie. That's dude, John Stewart. Yeah, okay, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick, kind of playing the T one thousand, but uh, water based. Yeah, uh, it's just it's it's such an insane. Ca- and here's a weird one: they have a Harry Knowles. Harry cameo. Knowles, cameo. as if we weren't '90s enough to. <laughs> like probably the um, most '90s thing is having a Harry Knowles cameo. Yeah, I mean it, it's hard to say what would be the actually. The most I know exactly. I, I, there's one thing that is definitive '90s in this movie, and that is Usher Raymond in the main cast. That oh my yeah, friend, there is. <laughs> This is 1998, so it is like the it is the rise of Usher, and there is nothing right. more popular in the world right now than putting like hot musicians in movies. And you bet yeah. your ass, Usher is with a star football player in the movie. It yeah. is awesome. Usher got the beats that make the booty go squid. Oh no, you am are I not, right? You are not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Well done. That was good. <laughs> It's, I've been uh, saving that one since the 90s. I was just waiting for a podcast. <laughs> I, um, there's another thing that happens in this movie, like at the very beginning that I just, I fucking adore is the title cards all the characters get. That's yes. like one of my favorite, like, screen. Yeah. Well, it, and this is what I laughed at. It's funny because they're doing kind of, again, this is, it's a high school that doesn't have archetypes the way that we're used to in high school movies. No. Because what they do is they somewhat pick all outcast in a way, right? Yeah. Um, your quarterback wants to quit. The The main kind of normally brainless cheerleader, she's also the head of the newspaper. Right. So there, there's kind of some weird extra levels. To them. And then, of course, you have just like your full-on like 
rebellious types, whatever, with Stokely and Zeke. Um, there's something I noticed right off the bat in this film that, that I hadn't thought about the first time I saw it. Um, what's this guy's name? Who's the quarterback? What's his name? Sean Hatozi. Yeah. Has there ever been a more miscast character in all the movies ever? <laughs> So I was like, all right, so we're supposed to believe he's a star athlete. So he had this little kind of scrawny, the scrawny ginger, uh, sunburned ginger kid <laughs> with a little curly fro. <laughs> and he's supposed to be this kind of, uh, you know, Chris Evans, Paul Walker from not another teen movie. character. I like to think that I like to think that because of Varsity Blues, they couldn't cast James Vanderbeek because that's probably who they wanted. <laughs> But that's what I mean. You had Chris Evans and Paul Walker around. Like, is there a shortage of like muscle bound, uh, you know, blonde hair white guys? No, no. They were trying to. They weren't trying to find muscle bound. They were trying to find petite, and they ran out of blonde guys, so they went with him. Like that was like that. Sean Hatozzi was the '90s like placeholder actor for a lot of these parts. Like he shows up (laughs) in a ton of movies, but he's also like clearly like the third or fourth person on the cast list who they wanted. Like. He's not a bad actor by uh, any stretch. Like I've seen him. I mean, in some to movies. me, this guy is Opie Taylor via Fred Savage in the Wonder <laughs> Years. Like, this this is not who this man was. Like, let's not be coy. But then, like, you I have think like back jo- on like that era of the '90s, and you're like, how many like, other, other guys thing, though, were too, there like, that would have fit this? And that's to me, that's kind of a charming thing about this movie. Right. Well, like you look at, I mean, like Jordana Brewster being cast, like she was almost a nobody, like. I don't remember her yeah. in anything before that, but then the thing she became famous for was Fast and the Furious. Like that's yeah. where she like made her ducats. So it's one of those things where everyone is sort of on the rise. And I remember Sean Hatozzi going forward and like him being in a lot of TV shows. He was in that movie Alpha Dog, which I love. But he's a good actor. But I still think like during the '90s he got kind of pigeonholed into this like, all right, look, you're like the guy we needed because we couldn't get that kid from Seventh Heaven. Like those are like the like. <laughs> That's the role he got a lot of the time, which is really kind of interesting. The CW is eating up all of our tall hunks. Dude, I'm not kidding. Like the CW. Get that curly red haired guy. Between like literally between 95 and 2001, the CW or what was the WB at the time owned the teen owned like every single one of those teens that was yeah. in these movies wound up like being the star of one of their fucking shows. It reminds me a little bit of the first time I saw The Breakfast Club. I was in high school, and Emilio Estevez is like the jock that everyone's afraid of. And I was like, all five foot two of Emilio Estevez? What the fuck? (laughs) Oh, yeah. And they caveat it by saying, oh, he's a wrestler, so he can wrestle guys his own weight class. Right. Because you can't make Emilio Estevez in that movie the star quarterback. You're like, he's the wrestler. He's five foot two. He can't throw a football over the tall people in front of him. Right. He's the wrestler who gets busted for. duct taping people's butt cheeks together yeah but let's put it this way in the hierarchy of kind of high school jock actors emilio estevez is amongst the group that is uh slamming this ginger guy's nuts into the flagpole oh hardcore like these guys are only like football players in the hierarchy of like teen dramas and teen comedies are the upper echelon the wrestlers are essentially like the guys who actually care about sports like yeah, it's weird because, like, we all have Vision Quest. That's like a wrestler movie with Modine. Right. But then he kind of, like, he's kind of a scraggly guy, but he gets too into it, and then he tries to rape a girl, and you're like, eh, this is not a good look for wrestling. <laughs> 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 you're like, oh, 80s wrestling was sad. 
Oh my god, dude! I just everything about this movie is just quintessential '90s. I love it. I also have a theory that every single person on a show on the WB, the WB is a connected universe for sure. Like, there's yeah. no doubt in my mind that Roswell <laughs> takes place at the same time as Dawson's Creek, 100. percent Sure, but that's besides the that point. That makes sense. We got to talk Seventh about Heaven. That guy's actually like a cult leader, oh, running yeah. like kind of a fucking evil occultist. Uh, thing out of his basement no that dude well no he ended up just being a child molester i don't i think that i think it's uh the mom yeah and he wrote books about it you think we would have seen that coming (laughs) seriously i guess that tells you how many people were reading those books um um okay so this movie starts off with the bang so right off the bat we have robert patrick as our insanely over aggressive coach right right this guy's coaching in the middle of nowhere ohio with uh opie taylor as his quarterback how intense can this guy actually get? <laughs> well, the answer is Robert Patrick level. Right. Because I love when he talks shit to the kid and then immediately has to run 20 yards to flip a table and rage. Yep. And we see a shadowy figure cover him, right? So the next thing we see is this kind of sad teacher's lounge. All the teachers are despondent, whatever. Uh, Judith is giving him the Fraser Crane treatment and giving him nothing. No joy in their life. She's no. only taking joy. Yeah. Or the Niles Crane treatment, too. Although there was that great episode where they all slept together. Never mind. That's that's a Frasier thing. That's great episode. That's for the that we'll scram- That's on. for the um that's for the, you know, toss salad and scramble podcast. <laughs> that's another one we're doing. We could get lost talking Frasier. Yeah. But I, I can't get into a phrase so, hole. Yeah, so Judith is running around the school, right? Her name's Principal Drake in this movie. And all of a sudden there's this really creepy moment where Robert Patrick corners her in her office. And she kind of looks at him with this wry smile and is like, Coach, have you been drinking again? <laughs> As if it's just very obvious that the guy who is the shepherd of this school, right? Which they even say it's a football school and football rules the roost. Right. Um, clearly has a drinking problem and maybe a rape problem. Oh, yeah. Definitely a she sexual assault. not shocked at all. Do you think that they had maybe slept together before or that she knows he gets drunk and is a little aggressive, a little Kavanaugh, if you will? I think it's a little column A, a little column B, if I'm being honest. Like, I think that he definitely gets drunk and gets aggressive, but I definitely think they had something going on before, which is why she, like, rolls uh, her eyes. And it's why she's so, like, blase about his actual attitude up until the point where he, like, stabs her with the pencil. Then it's like, oh, it's a thing. Cool. Yeah. Well, they, they kind of look like the future Stokely and Opie Taylor, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. So maybe that was their jam. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I like the, you know, he does the Joker thing. Like, can I just have a pencil for no reason just to stab her? It's like, <laughs> yeah. you're, an, you're an alien symbiote. Like, what are you? Symbiote. Symbiote, sorry. please. Come sorry. on. You got to get the wording right, So what right, the man. fuck are you doing? And it kind of turns into this very, very fun classic slasher game, right? Run to the door. Try to get away. Oh, he's coming. He's coming. And it ends with that great betrayal, right? Where the other teacher all of a sudden just stabs her a bunch with scissors. Well, now we're going to hell, right? Now we've seen that the authority figure is crumbling and we know something bad has happened. Right. Um, This gets me to something that I was really kind of dumbfounded with this time watching it. I think no movie creature makes less sense to me than the, the crab squid monster from this movie. How so? Right. Okay, so we learn at the end that Mary Beth is patient zero. Right. And maybe the least shocking reveal in the history of movies. Uh, a reveal that they only thought would work on us because of classic horror movie cheating, which I'll get to in a bit. Right. So she says her home world is a beautiful place, right? But everything dried up. So somehow she came from there 
to Ohio, which Elijah Wood sums away. He's like, well, you wouldn't go to New York. Yeah. You would go somewhere stupid and worthless that no one would ever think to go like Ohio. <laughs> and I was like, I guess that makes sense. No, you know, no, it does not. For a water, a water-based alien species. I mean, there are tons of useless cities on the <laughs> right, coastline. Right. I mean, that they wrote a whole book series about it. The Southern Reach is all based on that same idea, right? <laughs> uh, well, different. Never mind. That's neither here nor there. But, okay, so the alien gets there. She's an alien who can shapeshift, right? Right. That's clearly established. She can be this giant tentacled monster, which is beautiful. I love the monster creature work. Like, the scene when it pops up out of the pool, that's an awesome monster. I like her even walking down the bleachers all Resident Evil. Yeah, it's cool. I thought the creature was really cool, right? So then we see that somewhere a little tadpole exists on this field, right? Elijah Woods finds the tadpole. Right. Who then later bites Jon Stewart and this and that. Here's where I'm a little confused. <laughs> so where did that tadpole come from? Second subplot question. And we even have Zeke try to explain this, right? Because when he goes to his uh, science laboratory, he puts on glasses because we know science shit's coming. Right. Sci- and he goes, ah, oh, this monster is clearly a parasite, right? They do the very high school student symbolism. Right. Which is, it can't exist on its own, but really it needs to be part of this bigger organism, right? You know, we're like, oh, exactly like high school kids. Right. Brilliant. <laughs> um, but to what, what avail? What I mean, do they eventually work their way into the fully shape-shifting monsters? Can they breed with them? What is ha- like? They never take a moment to explain any of that kind of stuff to us. Wait, and this is why it's interesting because when you look at the movies that it's trying to take off, that's a very important thing that they describe. Are you talking in about all of those movies? Are you talking about the method of transmission? Or well, yeah, like. Okay, so here's the point, right? We see later that they do the, the tongue-sucking thing, right? They, like, jam your tongue in the ear, and that's how right. um, they get you, presumably through putting a slug in your body. They put a parasite into your body. Right, right. The difference is, is, like, if you see an alien do that, the facehugger implants you with an egg that then births a full member of that species. Right. Right? The thing fully replicates you and takes over everything. So it is the thing and not the dog with the thing inside. Anymore. Right. Um, pod is the same way. They put you in the pod and then they come out and kind of feast on your psychic energy and have your body. What is the plan for these things? I mean, they're uh, getting, they're assimilating one small town and then they're going to branch out and assimilate the other towns. And then eventually it'll just be a planet of, uh, it's the same way that, uh, same way the animorphs worked, you know, the yurks, they're going through the brain. They attach themselves to your brainstem. They like control you and so on and so forth. So forth. Like you said, it's a parasitic organism. So it feeds on a living organism. It has to live inside. Are we to believe that on their home world, they were not masters of their own domain. They were, but fleas on their own world. I don't think that's what that is. That giant ass tentacle monster. Oh, okay. Wait, this might be a thing that I, I I did not. So are you saying you think this is an aliens? Kind of setup where it's a queen bee and little worker bees. Yeah, that's how it always worked. I mean, like, that's how the ending Who works. Who made the tadpole? The queen bee makes the tadpole. Remember I guess how- the tadpole is just the slug that they already showed, right? Well, yeah, I mean, like, remember at the end, so at the end, Mary Beth, like, turns into the giant queen and she chases uh, Casey through the, chases Casey through the bleachers, stabs him in the face <laughs> okay. with the speed, and she, like, spits the slugs into his face. 
I love that scene the most, right? I love the bleacher scene the most because this proves my entire point about this being the worst alien of all time. <laughs> oh, yes. Is I'm like, why not just wait for the bleachers to kill him or get him when he comes out? The fact that that alien chases him into the bleachers for no reason, you're like, uh, on Earth, we have this guy, Darwin, yeah. and this is exactly what he talked about. <laughs> like, this is why you chose Ohio. This is why you are failing. Oh. This is why some guy with caffeine pills and a pen can defeat you. Foiled by bleachers, damn it. That's always like, <laughs> like, I agree. Like, that's always one of those, like, it's one of those movie cheats. Like, that's the big, like, to me, that's one of the big movie cheats. Is like, okay, so this monster's smart enough to almost assimilate, assimilate an entire uh, school at least almost an entire right. town but can't somehow figure out how self self-closing bleachers work like they just can't <laughs> it, this technology is too much for them they, 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 right they've it, traveled all this way because they've supplanted yeah. themselves into society yet bleachers already no is way. obviously hip enough to imitate a high school student and not only is she whoever she takes the form of and whoever right. her little worker bees take the form of there's some kind of hive mind where they have knowledge right, right. so when robert patrick is confronted with uh opie taylor saying he's gonna quit the football team he knows the school that he's playing he knows that they're a hard rival so he has all this information already built in right. so she knows what the fuck bleachers are <laughs> No, I think again it's it's a movie cheat. Like you just it's one of those yeah. things that we sit here and we go we talk about this a lot on the show. Like you got to give like especially for horror movies, you got to give them one. Like there's right, a, but the one I'm giving is that there are aliens in Ohio assimilating people. Sure. But then the movie constantly is asking me to give them one more. This is something I'm always fascinated by, right? In horror movies is a lot of horror and science fiction movies they have to cheat right. to try to achieve the big moment. Right. And what I would say is that, okay, so they have this alien that's kind of dopey and doesn't make sense. It doesn't detour me at all from liking the movie. No, not at all. I don't all. really need to fully understand why it's doing what it's doing. It's just one of those interesting things to ponder right. to me why they chose all of these right. different things. I don't think the but logic. But it doesn't deter from the fun ride of this monster, right? right? I don't it's, think it's the logic version of the thing. The logic of the universe doesn't ruin my experience watching the movie. Like I can sit there and right. make those notes to myself and go, that doesn't make any sense. Or like, well, that's fucking stupid. Why would you decide to, why would you join up with a bunch of fucking teenagers and not just assimilate right. them all immediately? Are you telling me like Sean Hatozi and Clea Duvall are too much? They're too, too brainy of intellectuals to understand, to not go <laughs> get alone with someone like, come on. Like, like that here, scene. Okay. That, that, so here, there are four moments of very obvious horror movie cheating right. that drove me nuts watching this. And I don't understand why these are choices they made, right? Because this is the thing. This movie is just fun. Like, this basic premise has been done a lot of times, and it always works. Right. Um, especially with high school kids. The, the all of a sudden not knowing um, or being confirmed. This is what you said, right? You told me this over text that... This is kind of high school wish fulfillment in a way. Oh, definitely. That, oh, I do have everything figured out. And, you know, every high school kid thinks their parents are idiots that don't get where they are and weren't there. This is the movie that says, yeah, that's true. And you can kill them. Yeah. <laughs> but no. here, here are four examples of horror movie cheating um, to get reveal moments that I don't think add any fun to the movie to me. Okay. So, okay, here here's the first one. Um. Why are they stabbing the shit out of Judith 
when they first turn her? Why stab her with the scissors so many times? Oh. It's so I mean that later in the film when she comes back, we're like, <gasps> she's an alien. I mean, no, that's like That's just, a weird one, right? That's just I think that, like to me, what that is is that's like horror shock value. I've never considered that a significant emo- a significant enough moment to like like I see what you're saying. Like it does not make sense. But, but this I, is what I mean. To me, it's I get what you're saying. It works for the cold open. To me, it's a slight amount of cheating because you're trying to Well, that's what it is. Tell me that she's dead sure. because she's attacked in a way that doesn't fit the the transmission just so that we can have that reveal of her walking around the corner when yeah. they leave the teacher's lounge and you're like that that doesn't add anything well it's a straight so why it's a cold why open. add the question it's a big cold open like it's like you were saying it's a straight cold open it's meant to shock us and get us ready for what we're about to see but i think the reason you right. do that is for that moment where she turns the corner she's totally fine like she's not covered in fucking holes of you know she's not covered in scissor holes she's right. just She's existing. So, like, but, that's the shock value. That's what I value. mean. To me, you're trying to get the shock value two times, and it's just, like, a weird – it's a weird thing. In a movie that's so fun, it's always fascinating to me why they think they need these little extras. Right. That don't add – like, when I thought back on the movie, I hadn't seen it in a while. I didn't remember she got stabbed by scissors. And when they stabbed her with the scissors, I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, right. why ruin your host body? You know what I mean? <laughs> That'd be like – I want to buy this brand new BMW, but let me spray shit all over the inside sure. first. Totally get it. I don't understand it's it. It's purely for shock value. All right, number two, Jordana Brewster. So as soon as she gets her glasses, we're led to believe that that might be the moment that she was turned, right? Somewhere in that period. That's right. what they kind of say in the garage later. Right. Uh, when she won't take the the, the snort, the right. scat, they call the it. scat, right? which is basically caffeine um, pills. Yeah, exactly. What? Why is she playing along with them the rest of the way? I've never understood that either. Like, I've- It's a weird, and they only do it so that they can have that reveal in the thing scene, which we'll get to in a minute. Right. Um, and then Mary Beth has two enormous horror movie cheats, right? She's patient zero, which seems obvious the whole time. The new girl. Right. Who's trying to be friends with Stokely and this and that. She's obviously going to be the one. Not just right? trying to be friends. Like, she's, like, willing to, you know, go the distance. Yeah, like, aggressively pushes her on to Opie Taylor and this yeah. and that. That's what I mean, though. She's, she's very clearly the one who's doing all this, it seems to me. Right. It doesn't make sense, right? It's kind of this, oh, it's a clever inversion on... She would normally be the Jordana Brewster character. Right. So... You get that, but they try to add these cheats so that they can then have this big reveal at the end, which everyone already knows is coming. Here's a cheat. Every other person we see turned is constantly chugging water. Right. We never see her drink water the whole movie. That is just a ridiculous cheat. That's a cheat. Yeah. Like, like not even having a cup of water. It would just be... It's too obvious. Like, I mean, the things you're pointing out. Here's the thing. Give every character a drink. But the things you're pointing out, yes, they are technically cheats. But what you're, I, I, it's almost like, I don't know how to say it. Like, I get what you're getting at, but I do think it's a matter of how hard are you willing to analyze? Because the other thing too is like, right. This movie. I mean, that's true. That's true. But based on what, based on these terms that we're putting together, from the get-go, this movie is asking you not to concentrate very hard because of exactly what <laughs> happens to B.B. Newworth. Like, they stab her to death. 
then she's assimilated and she's fine in the next scene. So really the ultimate irony of the whole thing is that if you concentrate, you find these issues, but really what they're asking you to do is like, just, just like you just like the way every time I've like, every time I watched any version of invasion of the body snatchers, cause that's really what this is. It's invasion of the body snatchers in high school. Every time I've seen a version of that. Whoa, careful. Remember this is a, that's a weak reversion of the puppet masters, which they are very clear to have Stokely tell us <laughs> hipster cred for Stokely. Right. No, like there's a lot of, but see, this is what Kevin Williamson does as a writer though. Like Kevin Williamson, and this is what he did all through the nineties is Kevin Williamson literally subverts these really popular tropes and movies. Like, he did what he did for the faculty. He did the same thing in Scream, where he's writing these tropes into movies and then point having right. characters that are almost like breaking the fourth wall half the time, pointing out like, "Isn't this ridiculous? We're all sitting here like sitting ducks doing, oh, right, I'm dead." Like that's sort of the trick. So I see what you're saying, but the problem is, is that's half the joke of the movie. I guess it is this sort of meta. The, like it's like the meta the thing in high school it's it's weird to me because it's such a fun movie with an insanely good cast it, it's weird to me this is one of those when i watch it i always wonder i'm like was this studio intervention because why do you need to add these these twists i mean th- there's no need for it right i don't think mary beth should be in the movie period I think it's just too obvious. Sure. And then it forces you to make these weird choices to try to justify, right? I think someone from within the ecosystem that already exists is a clearly more logical choice that doesn't lead you to this cheating. So that's why, to me, because that's what I mean. Williamson, what he does in something like Scream works perfectly. And that's kind of the whole point of that movie. Right. This feels like someone's like, can you give us more of those twists and turns? And they just kind of get shoehorned in. And I'm always fascinated because... I mean, at the end of the day, this is a really fun, well-made movie. Right. I mean, I, and I, I find it impossible to accept that these kind of things just went under the radar. Well, you know who the other, you know who the distro company was, Miramax. There's a very good chance that this is a Harvey Weinstein intervention for a lot of this. Yeah. Like there are there are definite studio notes, but I also think that I really truly believe that Kevin Williamson, as a writer, was at the height of his power at this point. Like he mm-hmm. was pumping things out. Like this is the guy who wrote scream. So yeah. he's definitely hanging off the coattails of Wes Craven's directing and saying, I can write this. I, the same thing I did for horror movies. I can do for science fiction. So let me try it. So he does this movie, the faculty, and it's really almost the exact same blueprint. It's this metafiction story about a hostile takeover from an alien race but it's done in high school, so you can deal with a lot of these tropes. Much like we all feel like aliens in high school, it deals with the same right. sort of alienation we have. Huh? Alienation? Alienation uh, we have throughout our entire time in adolescence. That's really that, kind of what he's what doing. That's what I mean. That's all there, and it's brilliant. Right. And he has moments where it's, you know, like fun kind of tongue-in-cheek stuff, right? Where Robert Patrick's talking to the quarterback who's quitting, and he's like, who am I to stand in the way of the human condition? Right. What kind of human would I be? That's a fun tongue-in-cheek play on what it is. Casey's whole theory that Spielberg and all these guys are propaganda machines for the aliens to prepare. I mean, that's fun. That's a fun tongue-in-cheek poke at what they're doing. Right. But I love 
examples of horror movies that don't trust enough what they're doing and feel like they need to cheat it. Sure. Like Saw, Saw 1 is a great example. It has the biggest horror movie cheat I've maybe ever seen, which is the, you know, the, the nurse who kidnaps the guy's wife and daughter. Yeah. Or wife and son, whatever it is. And he's just doing it because he has to. Oh, he, he doesn't want to be a bad guy. But yet when he's in the room, he holds a gun to the the mom's head and her daughter's head and listens to her heart race. Right. That's the act of a terrible bad guy that no normal person would do if they were involved in a game. Sure. And Saul does that because they're setting you up for the big fucking twist. Right. That a movie like Saul doesn't need because it's so fucking brilliant and fun the whole journey. So I, I always am fascinated by it. And like I said, this stuff by no means do you need to analyze no. the alien and the world it comes from. But I think it's... Or, the twist or whatever. It's a fun fucking movie. I just think that's always fascinating kind of mental right. exercise to imagine the choices as they're being made. But I think what's interesting about the things you're pointing out, because I agree. I mean, all of them are all of them are inherently thematic issues that have to be taken up. But I think what's interesting and what's like the genius of Kevin Williamson as a writer is his ability to subvert that by simply like this is the thing he does. He simply says. Yes, I am aware. Guess what? It doesn't matter because this whole thing is a metafiction anyways. Like, that's the brilliance of, like, getting away with it. Like, the biggest cheat of all is that. Like, above all else, above all the other issues that are in the movie, he gets away with it simply because he cheats and says, listen, I know, you know, let's just call it what it is. This is, like, a (laughs) meta-analysis of this kind of genre. You're like, oh, shit. All right, I guess I'm throwing my hands up and just enjoying the movie. Like that's the crazy thing, and that's like the genius of the writing. I exactly. absolutely did. I 100%. wrote these notes down so we could talk about them, right? Because I think it's fun. But I loved it, man. Like this, this movie is loaded with just insanely fun scenes, right? Uh, one of them I love is the when the old lady wanders into the shower. Oh with yes, because there's this really weird moment. This is a really weird choice that I thought they made where. She kind of comes up to him, and it looks as if he's kind of trying to catch her. But there's a little bit where he seemingly runs his hand through her hair, right? Yeah. And it's clearly for the effect of ripping her scalp off. (laughs) But I had this hilarious idea, which for a second was just like, is this high school kid thinking this is going to (laughs) happen? Hey, that's Cloris Leachman, right? Is it really? I thought that too, but then it was it kind of went by so fast. Oh, God. Can you, like, just imagine how terrifying it would be to, like, being in a scene with Cloris Leachman being that is like, all right. So in this scene, Cloris Leachman's going to get naked in front of you. And like, I'll tell you the truth. I love Cloris Leachman so much. I would still to this day, get naked. In front of her. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Wife granting that I could do. That. <laughs> no, but it, it's this really weird moment where you're like, Oh my God, I think this kid was making a move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Opie, you son of a bitch. That is a cla- was, that'd be a classic I, Opie move. I was so laughing because I was like, "This movie has a couple of these like insane high school fantasies," and that's one of them, right? The like, oh yeah, like you know, because I used to have to take showers all the time for wrestling, weightlifting, whatever. Right. And you were always like, "Oh man, like this would be a great." Obviously, you didn't want to have sexual thoughts and whatever, and you know, there's kind of this weird hierarchy of like what is and is not acceptable in right. these situations. You know, in small town Indiana back then, yeah. But I remember having, like, the fantasies about, you know, like, hooking up with uh, women, you know, kind of fast time style throughout different places in the high school. That would be one of them. I mean, there's literally... there's a moment where Opie's like, this is not my ideal partner, but... but." (laughs) I'll make it work. 
Unlike Zeke, who gets like the dream of all of us, which is Fonky Jansen. Oh my God. Which yeah. is also Famke one of my Jansen favorite scenes the fucking, in the movie. Uh, Oh, dude, Famke Jansen is the fucking Van Halen special. Is just like, <laughs> like nineties me. That would have been like an absolutely oh, uh, guaranteed. Oh, yeah. She was the. I mean, like, I saw. I remember watching this movie. I'm like, oh, from Goldeneye. Oh my god, it's the. Chick- oh my god, when she kills that dude in Goldeneye with her legs yeah. the first time. I remember being like, if only I can die. Like I remember that. at first I didn't understand. <laughs> like honestly, the first time I thought about it, I like. I, I first time I saw the movie, I'm like, geez, that's that's really gross. And then I thought about her name. I'm like, on a top. Oh, cool. She fucked that guy to death. Awesome. And yeah, like, do you remember the first time you were watching Bond movies and you're like, they're all fucking jokes. Every, every woman character's <laughs> yeah. name. You're like, oh my god. If you, I guess when I saw what was it, Pussy Galore, and yeah. I'm like, well, that was just spot on. Right. <laughs> I gotta get that one right away. You tricksters. There's like, there's that thing of just. That is like that moment when your brain clicks and when everything fuses together and you're like, oh my God, how have I not noticed this all these years? Yeah. But like the best part is based like within that Zeke moment where he like, she's already an alien and they're out there by the buses and he like starts driving the oh, car out. Dude. And she lays into him. Yeah. Oh, I fucking love it, man. It's just such a great scene. And it ends with like one of the all, one of my all time favorite, uh, the thing pastiches, which is like her head. With the legs crawling away, yeah. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" That well, was the way funny to do thing it. I thought about because I was like, "That's an exact ripoff of the thing." Oh yeah, but I was like, "Wait a sec!" So we're led to believe that when Mary Beth, you know, gets eaten by the bleachers, that all these little parasites die and humans go back to who they were. Right. I was like, "So Femke Jansen's gonna reawake and be like, hmm, I have severe trauma of the neck and <laughs> head." But then we just see her; she's going out. Um, you know, she's on her road to jail. Yeah. The next time we see her, she's perfectly healthy and ready to just uh, blowjob her way into prison. <laughs> she is ready to, uh, man, who is that? Uh, Laterno? Is that the teacher who banged the kid in the 90s? Like, she's like, oh, God. dude, that shit happens almost every week now. That's awesome. I went to high school. <laughs> I went to high school with someone who did that. <laughs> like that South Park. What do you want me to do? Give him his luckiest boy in America. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> what should I do? Give him his lucky. Wait, what's this boy? So I give him his luckiest boy in America award. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, as a father, I'd be pretty torn if I my son came home and he's like, "Yeah, I hooked up with my teacher, Famke Jansen." <laughs> oh, if it was that Famke just, Jansen, that'd that be very immense different. pride and also ridiculous amount of jealousy. Yeah, and then that pesky third corner of that triangle, um, illegal breaking of the law with my innocent child. There's, there's one other thing in this movie of like, as far as like hot women from the '90s is, they did an amazing thing here, which is. Give Salma Hayek a cold in this movie and make her hideous looking, yet somehow she still can't be fully ugly. So she just is this beautiful woman with a cold. Like in that scene <laughs> where they actually assimilate her and like blast the slug into her ear, you're like, oh, gross. It's still Salma Hayek, though, so I'm kind of okay with it. Like, there's a they lot of. They tried to do it to Salma Hayek, what they did to Pink Floyd in the football scene, <laughs> and it didn't work. Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nice pull. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, here's something I loved about this movie, right? This is probably the most angst-riddled group of teenagers that we meet, right? Like, oh, yeah. I, what, did he, what does he say in the garage I love? Opie Taylor says, uh, what is it? I'm not, I'm not alien. I'm discontent. <laughs> I was like, that's a great fucking line. That was so funny. I died laughing. I loved it. 
But I was like, so we're, we're at this high school, right? Whatever it is, angst high. Uh, our mascot is just Morrissey. And uh, they do this great <laughs> bit where Zeke finally realizes uh, that something's going on, right? They have this couple. that Early in the movie, we just have a very casual domestic abuse situation where this guy and girl are just violently hitting each other in the hallway. And everyone just kind of walks by like, that's normal that this guy's hitting his girlfriend in the hallway. Right. The next time we see them, she's hitting him and he's not fighting back. The third time we see this couple, they're lovey-dovey. So Zeke's like, there's no domestic violence around. Something's afoot. (laughs) (laughs) Now I need to take charge and change my environment. (laughs) I was like, that is such a fucking funny beat in this movie. That is the most 90s, like, that's the most 90s, like, oh, subversion of genre thing. I fucking love it. Actually, it's just so fucking crazy that, like, they just see this guy and girl hitting each other, right? Like, like, you would never just see a guy hit a girl and be like, that's cool. I remember one time in my high school, we had a guy and a girl fight. And it was like one of the most shocking things that any of us had ever seen. Yeah. I won't tell the story because it's so fucking sad for this girl. God forbid. I hope she's out in the world doing a lot better. Actually, uh, there's a <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous thing to have to <laughs> witness. My favorite line in the movie. I think my favorite like exchange in the movie is between Stan and Casey. It was uh, Sean Hatozzi and Elijah Wood. And <laughs> I wrote it down, too. I think it starts at the beginning. It was like, so Sean Atozzi, I think it's right after he gets like beat up or like, I think it was the first thing he does is he gets a, uh, gets the wedgie. Is that what it is? Some hole. Uh, they actually, they hold him and they run with him. That's what and it is. Smash his nuts into the flag. That's what it is. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's right after this with the scene where he walks up, he goes, it must really blow being you. And he goes, you have no idea. I'm like, you nothing no sums up high school more than that moment right there is a popular jock walking up and going, man, my life's incredibly better than yours. And then we go, yes. <laughs> Heavy is the head that wears the crown, boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's it. just it's a funny, weird high school they set up in this one. It's great. They take all the outsiders. They have casual domestic violence. Uh, Morrissey High, it's so strange and weird. Even the teachers are all depressed and drinking. <laughs> like, it's just this kind of fun hodgepodge of really good actors. Yeah. And a really unusual high school. Really bad um, Florida drugs. a lot that we've you know? seen in movies. Yeah. It's just, it's what, what a great movie, honestly. Like, what a great just capsule for the 90s. Like, what this movie does is takes all these great, subgenres of science fiction and compress them into one like giant rank right. at the camera, which is fine. Yeah. Like again, like we said it earlier in the show, but the beauty of this movie is that it's so balls out entertaining. You sort of forgive all the things it does so drastically wrong as far as storytelling right. goes. Well, that's what they do. They have great actors in a situation that works perfectly, right? right. This every high school kid feels like they're the only one that gets it and no one will listen. Like when Elijah Wood's parents won't listen to him and they just take him home and immediately they're like, Oh, he's on drugs. He needs a therapist. Uh, and the mom's like, take his porno. That's the best. And Shooter okay. McGavin has that great line. No flog in the Bishop boy. <laughs> but in that moment, it's actually, it seems like kind of a laughing thing, but so they found a dead body and watched the teacher get assimilated. Right. They see what's happening. Uh, they tell the principal, who's back, magically. No one listens. He tells his parents. They don't listen. The cops come, and they go into the office, and they're assimilated. So right now, all of these classic authority figures don't work anymore. 
And it's just a very relatable high school thing. And then you add the kind of monster chicanery and fun. And it works, right? Like scenes like Robert Whitaker just standing in the sprinklers. It's just odd enough that it becomes iconic because it just, through this kind of weird, powerful image, it captures a lot of what you think about yeah. high school. Everything in the, yeah, no, everything visual in this movie reminds me of my high school. Like, I and I grew up in Ohio. Like, that was my, that was my high school a lot of the time. Although, we didn't have nearly as much outdoor time. It was pretty cold a lot, so, you know. But, again... <laughs> I I just love this movie. Like it's such a but, fucking like, blast. They have they have an actual paper cutter attack, which I was like, I always thought of that. Like fingers getting chopped off with a paper cutter. Oh yeah. They do that. And John Stewart dying is great. And Judith dying is great. These kind of melting corpse scenes. Um the the scalp being pulled off, yep. you know, the tentacles coming out of the football's face in the rain. They have so many great moments like that. Yeah. Um, that you can throw away kind of these cheats and reveals and plot twists that were very prevalent at the time that you didn't need. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap this up is they took the blood testing scene from the thing right, and exactly recreated it, but in a very strange way. Like, they made some weird choices in this moment. Um, the fact... Okay, so it's a bunch of teenagers in a science garage... About to do drugs. I thought the choice of having all the characters burst out into giggling was very strange. Well, it feels like one of those It adds a very uncomfortable ambience to the scene. Yeah, no, totally. Like, I mean, it works on two levels. One, it's funny because it's like the exact opposite way most people react when they do drugs. Like, no one, like, all of a sudden breaks out into laughter. Like, it's not like, it's not like going to the dentist and, like, huffing gas. Like, you're just like... yeah. These guys are literally like doing like Florida drugs and getting cracked out on like speed. <laughs> yeah, they're living in that fucking apartment building that Willem Dafoe runs in yeah, the Florida Project. They're living li- they're living their best Florida Project life. But like that's Ugh. so it works Sad on this drugs. level of like that oh man, that must be a crazy drug, like whatever. Then the other level it works on <laughs> is this great like it is it's speed. But the level that it's – I don't know how to describe it. I, you, you know, you, you take it. I, I'm not entirely sure I'm trying to get out of here. But I I was watching it. It's such a – I mean, besides the obvious, the, the nostril covering thing by Mary Beth is one of the lamest yeah. things ever in a movie. Um, it's, it's so strange to me, right? Because the, the laughing is a weird choice. The high school kids brandishing a gun constantly yeah. is a weird extra to the scene, right? It's it's different than the thing because everyone's kind of there on their own free will. I think a lot of it also is also an editing technique. Like the thing is constantly cutting between the guys. Like that's a huge part of that scene is the like tension is really drawn out by the edit. This scene, right. the tension is being drawn out by a bunch of fucking kids giggling while doing speed. Like that's the real that's the tension build is like everyone giggling, and then yeah. sure enough, like, when, it's a cool extra because you see these kids laughing, and you're like. One of these fuckers is definitely an alien right. and someone could die. And then like Delilah and then Delilah does it and she becomes like she freaks out. Like, right. The most conformist character ends up. I mean, that's the thing. The teenagers are actually a brilliant substitution for kind of the ghost of communism. Yeah. That this movie <laughs> represented. It's really it works perfectly well. Um, the other thing. Ah, man, here's a question I had in the movie. 
several characters die in the presence of Mary Beth to the the powder. Right. Do you think they all know that it's her, even though she only infected a couple people probably? 100%. So Jordana Brewster's character knows that Mary Beth is the ringleader. I think that's why she does it. Okay. I think that's why she does it, to throw them off the scent. Because otherwise, I mean, if none of them, like, if, okay, think about it. Like, in terms of high school logic, if no one freaks out snorting speed, the next thing I do is like, well, you're fucking new here, so there's a good chance yeah. you're a well, fucking new. they already went in on her. That was actually the good thing I liked about the scene at the start when they all start, oh, well, you're a football guy who wants to fucking quit the team. Oh, you're a, a dumbass who's doing senior year again and thinks he's a genius and knows a lot about these. Right. Everyone's you know subverting I mean? their all, genres. Like, oh, why are you wearing glasses all of a sudden? Because you're so hyper vain. Uh, that paranoia break is pretty cool. I like that right. part. That It's a fun scene, and I think... If you're going to rip off the best, you got to find a way to add your kind of you own weird stank on it. Yeah. And they did it really well, I thought. Yeah, it's a nice subversion of everyone's sort of genre trope. And I, I, I love that. I think that, yeah, I know. I think sh- everybody knows that it's everyone but like the audience, unless you're, I don't know, not paying attention, uh, knows that it's Mary Beth. So like everyone, like that's why I think that especially that's why Jordana Brewster takes the speed. Because that's like the, that's like the, the pawn sacrifice, essentially. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing. At the end of the day, it's just it to me, it was a a really fucking great premise with a gate, great cast, great writing, great directing. And there's a lot of weird choices, but they never fucking slow down the momentum of the film. Oh, no. Like you are assimilated by the end. You're just buying into this kind of very fun movie and. And what I like is it it always feels like something you've already done, but different. Yeah. It's always different than what it should be. And I think that's a fun extra element. Um, and yeah, like I said, all the things I brought up before are just the kind of fun things I like to rattle around, but none of it affects the quality of the movie. Yeah, no. Which is really impressive. I always feel really, the whole movie I'm engaged. Like, yeah, that's, imp- that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's this super fun, just kind of weird, like from Josh Hartnett even, just like, oh, I'll kill my mouse with my bare hands. Yeah. There's just a lot of like very weird, awesome, memorable moments delivered by a really good cast. And and I'm biased too, and I'm sure you are, because it's just 90s as fuck. Yeah. No, and There's absolutely. just something crazy about it. <laughs> I just love that he makes the world's worst speed. It's great. Like, that's like yeah. my, I think that might be one of my favorite beats is that, Josh Hartnett's character is like the bad kid who like bad kid who has to do senior year over again. But his like special thing is he's a great chemist, but he's really good at making like caffeine pills. He's like good at getting Jesse Spano ripped. Other than that, like it's yeah. all he's got. I love it. It's it's funny too because it just it wraps up in a really weird way where news media is flocking all over this like it's a true crime story but no one knows what to believe and we don't know how the information all gets out whatever. right right um but there's this great moment at the end of the movie that i fucking love and it so perfectly captures high school in these kind of movies right this whole month was about schools kind of run amok gone awry right things don't go well at these places where kids are forced to go and we trust that you know the kids are being taken care of and taught and whatever that moment right after um, the face slugs die on Elijah Woods and he's sitting there face to face with this giant monster. Right. You know, this oppressive fucking beast that's been ruining everything at his school. 
Uh, he just looks at the dead body and he says, you wouldn't have liked it here anyway. <laughs> yes. And I was like, that is just one of those perfect little fucking visuals and a perfect line to sum up what this month was about. Very nice button. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I fucking, the faculty is so much fun. And, you know, like I said, there are little things that are maybe unusual and weird and it gets knocked for. But to me, it's like to have those things in the film and still be so fucking fun and exciting and entertaining. Totally. Uh, I mean, that's all the more impressive to me, man. It's what we, uh, it's what we, it's what, it's the whole point of this month. That's the whole point of us doing shows like this is when we curate, especially like school of hard knocks, like that's why we do it. It makes it fun. That's it guys. What a great month. Uh, I loved all these fucking movies and the faculty. Thank you to our friend, uh, Ren. Ren's the one who recommended this. Right? Oh, Ren. Yeah. Make sure you check yeah. out his pod. The unlucky one. He running his own movie podcast. Yeah. Now. What is it? The unlucky ones? The unlucky ones. That's right. I'm bad with all names. You guys know that. Uh, I do follow all their social media, though. Check them out. He's the one who gave us this great gift, man. Uh, what a good month of movies. Next month, the pod stuffs your stocking. Uh, it is a thank you to the fans. We have picked a lot of our favorite uh, submissions from you guys of movies we'll cover next month. Lots of fun, weird stuff. We'll discuss that on an upcoming mini-sode. Um... I hope you guys enjoyed all these movies. I hope you enjoyed the faculty. I hope you shared them with your friends. If you did and you guys ended up having a good time and they dug the flicks, share our show with your friend as well, please. Please. Uh, through your social media, in person. That's the best way we feel we can grow this audience. And this is how we'll find more awesome films and more awesome buddies to have conversations about these films with. If you find our show on a podcast directory where you can leave a rating and review... Uh, all of our shows are on YouTube now. You can find us at the Chubby Mansion or Film Alchemist. <laughs> um, leave comments, uh, rate, review, share that on your social media. All that stuff helps us out a lot, guys. We've always asked a lot of you, and you guys have always over-delivered. So thank you from the bottom of our black hearts. Yes, please We hope listening. to assimilate you and all of your friends uh, to the water-chugging tribe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. That's it. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffin. I'm Alex Dandino. Peace, bitches.